Hey everybody, and welcome back to Don't Quit Your Day Job. My name is Paul, and today, uh, from a van somewhere in the deep south, he just told me, I have uh, Marcos Mena from the Prague Math Rocky Band um, Standards. Marcos, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. So how? So you're on tour right now. You're driving, literally, as we yeah. speak. Uh, so how is it down down south? Hot? Yeah, it's really humid, and we're all Cali guys, so we're not really used to that. <laughs> um, but we're we're heading to Florida. We've got a really cool show lined up um, in Orlando. So I'm really stoked about that. Um, today's just an off day, so we're just driving. Cool. But yeah, so far so good. Cool. So how has the tour been so far? So um, the the new album, which is called Fruit Town, just dropped. So is the response been good? Yeah, it's been really excellent. I think the tour has really like propped it up a bit more, too, because, you know, we had an album that came out before, right. but it came out in COVID. So this is the first album we've been able to tour directly behind. So it's been really cool. People seem like they really enjoy it. Uh, I got an album today where some guy claimed that, you know, one of the songs, Coconut, was going to be the cure for erectile dysfunction, um, in his opinion. I don't know if he's a doctor or not, but he said it's a good song. So I feel like people are are digging it. That's awesome. A cure for erectile dysfunction. I mean, if that's true, and I'm presuming you own the publishing to Coconut, I, you stand to make a lot of money if that's true. Yeah, there's always been that music, medicine, like overlap. That I've, that's why I started making music. Really, is just for that to get those those government contracts. So, right. you know, that's, that's why I'm doing it. Right. Um, um, so you mentioned the yeah, previous album. Sorry, sorry. You mentioned the previous album, Fruit Island, 2020. So, is Fruit Island, Fruit Town, are they related thematically somehow? What's the fruit connection? We're we're big into the fruit thing. That was like the first thing that we really started doing, like for imagery. Because there's no lyrics really. I right. mean, there's the there's one song on the new album that has lyrics and, and um, has uh, vocals for the first time, but largely it's an instrumental rock band. So it was something that people could kind of latch onto as kind of like a thematic sort of thing. I think you know every band that that has like a sort of thing like that, it's really easy to get behind it. And so it wasn't like something that we like conceived. It was something we went with and then people kind of started taking it to a new level. So yeah, it was really cool. It's, it's great. Uh, so I have a couple of questions. Let's start with like the math rock thing. Um, so I interviewed, I interviewed Stephen Hazel, who has a channel cool. called, yeah, let's talk about Math Rock. He's, he's a great, great guy. Um, and I just interviewed uh, Nocturnal, uh, Nick Nocturnal, um, and he famously has oh. a, a YouTube uh, episode where he tries to play Math Rock. Um, and it's funny yeah. and, and awesome. So are you guys fully in the Math Rock camp? Because, you know, we could talk about some songs like, um, like Melon, I think is maybe more than just a little bit outside of, of Math Rock, but let, let's start with Math Rock. What's your connection there? Yeah. So, I mean, I actually, so my first ex exposure to that was I actually took guitar lessons with Nick Reinhardt from Terramolos. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is that I would say they're a bit, pretty big pillar of, uh, of the Math Rock genre. Yeah, and sure. I didn't really know about that. I, I kind of took guitar lessons with him because I assumed he knew a lot more than me, which he did. Um, and I wanted to learn. 
so he showed me a lot of cool bands that I, I got really into. Um, and then, of course, they toured with uh, Chon, who uh, I got really into, along with like Covet. And it was it was just listening to a lot of different bands and really exploring the scene. And it felt like it had been really propped up before I got into it. And so um, it felt like a good time to try to do something like that myself. But like as you astutely noted, like it's not really a one sort of thing. I think a lot of math work bands will do like an album or two and then they kind of just get over it. But it's like, right. I feel like with this new album, we've really evolved in terms of combining a lot of those guitar stylings with some more production, like, you know, 8-bit inspired production, uh, chiptune, et cetera. Like, I think it's becoming more of a, its own thing, which is what I always wanted. I didn't want to be a band that was just kind of a poster child for, for a genre. Um, and like, how we went about writing the next album being like, Oh, we have to fit into these boxes. I, I don't really want to agree with that, of course, but right. it is something that I think is, it has like a built in fan base of people that really like this stuff. And I'm one of those people, but also again, it's like, I don't want to just do guitar and drums and have like a whole spreadsheet of time signatures. I want to have a whole thing <laughs> too, you know, whole right. thing that you can kind of get into. When I was listening to fruit Island, um, I felt like that album in particular, again, that's the previous one, had a little bit more of a punk rock feel, not necessarily in the songs, but in some of the guitar tones, right? So you were using more overdriven sounds, or maybe that's just what I felt ab about it compared to the, no, to the newer I agree. one? I agree. Okay. I agree totally. Yeah, like it's um, definitely more of like band in a room sort of feel. Right. I think the new record is more so like bedroom producer sort of thing, which is kind of an accurate reflection. But, you know, there were times where we were a bit more connected with touring and playing with other like punk, more punk bands, like emo bands. And I think that was something that I was inspired by at the time. And I think my taste, while they're still largely aligned with that, I've definitely shifted to newer things that I found more interesting and also just found more room for experimentation and growth in those areas. Okay. So I think the new album definitely reflects that more so than like punk rock aesthetic, you know? Right. 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 Well, what, like on the new album, when I listened to uh, one of the songs again, uh, Melon, you know, there's like this ethereal thing happening where it almost becomes like a jazz or an atmospheric thing. And there are different spots in several of the songs that sort of evoke that feeling um, again, which which is pretty different from a song like Starfish or, or Kiwi from from the previous record. And so this is just the growth that you're talking about then, right? Yeah, of course. And I think in a way like I wanted a soundtrack to a game that you never played before. Skateboard, like like Cloudberry, for instance, and then maybe there's a song like Melon, you're kind of like exploring a village or something. Right. Right. Think about um, as a loose concept. So speaking of video games, the, the question is, is that something you're leaning into, like evoking this feeling of wandering through some sort of Japanese open world uh, exploring video game? Totally, totally. Yeah, I think that's something that I always really dug. Um, I, I never was able to play too many video games. My mom really restricted that because okay. she thought it would like rot my brain, which like maybe she was right. Um, but uh, I got really into it like over COVID, I think, is because um, I really didn't have a whole lot to do aside from the 
couple things that I was, you know, concurrently doing. I wouldn't have like day-to-day tasks like I do now. So I was really playing a lot of video games, I think maybe like a lot of other people. Um, and it was super fun, but yeah, the uh, soundtracks on some of these games, it's like, I think that is really enriching and it, it makes me happy that other people, maybe not myself, but other kids like playing these games got this really musically rich, uh, soundtrack, you know, these soundtracks in these video games. I think even like, you know, a lot of the like RPG stuff musically is very, very, I think impressive. So it's something that definitely inspired me for sure. Cool. Cool. Uh, taking a step back, you mentioned you started taking lessons from, from Nick Reinhardt. And then if we jump forward, you're releasing records on, on top shelf, you know, what's, as you move through your thought when you're first taking lessons and now being able to release records and go on tour and have people dig them, what's the moment where it clicked for you and you thought, you know what, this works. I can, I can make money or I can, I can do this maybe for a living. Yeah, it's definitely a weird thought, right? Like this idea. <laughs> and I think it's something that we've actually talked about quite a lot on this tour in the van. It's like that, that clash of like art and commerce, right? you know, because of course there's a lot of, and with this style in particular, there's a lot of uh, people that do this, that they really value their art. And it's like, they want to do something completely different. Right. Whether people are willing to support that in a mass degree is is debatable. Um, so, yeah, as far as for me, I think the first tour we did, we did it in like a Prius. And I had like a different drummer at the time. And we were just playing like really DIY shows. We had like printed like 100 shirts or something like just pretty small, the grand scheme of the, right. the merch world. Right. Um, very, very DIY, very we're just going to hope and pray that everything works out, hope and pray that people turn up. And we, yeah, we did make some money back and I was like, wow. Okay. So we did this bigger. We just got some more people's shows. We got better merch. You know, this is a, this is a thing. And I love this. This is super fun, you know, going on all these tours. And even now I'm, you know, somewhere that I haven't been in a long time. And even when I was here, it's completely different now. So, um, it's something that if you can do it, it is very, very rewarding, but it is challenging. I feel like every day you're out touring, releasing records, whatever, being in a band is like putting out one fire and then another one starts. You're like trying to cook a dish and it's just like a never ending sort of thing where you have to juggle all these different responsibilities and deal with all these different problems or uh, occurrences that happen. So maybe a show in a couple of days, the local drops or there's a set time change or there's a hotel that cancels or whatever. You just have to kind of go with it. So if you're in the, you're in the industry of crisis management and t-shirt sales. So <laughs> that's kind of the, you start to learn more and more. There's it's less to do with music when it comes to, to money and, and more to do with how you can handle these things. And I think that's, that's a healthy balance that is, uh, it's very, very delicate, but it, it can happen. It can work. So that's a very mature approach, right? And I think a lot of bands, when they go on their first tour or even their second or third tour, you know, they're focused on on playing the show and having the party and not really caring about anything else. But I think that that, as you just said, that's not it's not really sustainable if you're looking at this long term, right? If you're trying to make your living or trying to be successful again, whatever that might mean for the artist, 
you need to think about what what the next thing you need you need to be thinking ahead right you can't be thinking where is the party tonight oh 100 percent. but i mean of course you also want to have fun but right. you have to do business first you know um so so that brings me to this idea where you're putting out fires and you're doing business stuff how much of that affects you mentally when you're about to go up on stage and you want to play a show and you want to have fun playing your music, uh, math rock or the music that you do is technically challenging, I would say. Right. And so, you right. you know, you need your head in the game, but you also want to have fun. But you're dealing with a thousand other things. You know, how are you balancing all of that in your brain? Um, you know, it, I don't even really think about playing the music anymore. You know, we have rehearsals and I've got pretty decent muscle memory at this point. So Mm -hmm. when I'm on stage, I'm having fun. You know, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I'm having a great time. That's really what it all is for. You know, I, I wish that I could just go on stage and not have to worry about the other stuff. Right. So it's really when it's off stage, it's like, you know, uh, I'm lucky on this tour and and hopefully on future tours, I have really good crew. You know, I've got a really great merch guy who's been helping me out. I used to do all the merch myself and that was really stressful because you have to do counts in counts out. It's like selling inventory. And then if we need more inventory, we need to find a way to get it shipped to us. <laughs> and then we have to make sure that the shipment will arrive at the right time because we might pass it. So we have to figure out what venue will accept the shipment. Um, and of course, if we don't sell, if we don't collect the shipment and we don't sell enough merchandise, we're not paying for gas because a lot of times, especially with bands of our size, the guarantees for um, these shows are not always uh, enough to pay for gas, to pay if we don't have someone who's putting us up for the night, paying for lodging. Um, you know, everybody else also is getting paid. I'm the one who assumes most of the financial risk involved in these tours. So uh, if the tour doesn't do well, I, it comes out of my pocket. Right. And everyone else still gets paid. Right. So um, luckily, I do have a, a great manager. It helps me. Michael at Equilateral Management has been really, really great about helping me with all of these things. But of course, I'm not his full-time gig. You know, he, he's, right. he's working uh, for inventory management and, and accounts for Shopify. So he's only helping me when he has free time, which is, of course, not always. So yeah, I am really, like, you know, figuring these things out. I think what I've learned over the years and what I really live by is planning ahead. If you, if you just really plan ahead, if you, you know, and it goes, kind of goes back to, like, if you really want it, if you really want to do this, you have to plan ahead and... Uh, every possible scenario you have to prepare for, you know, printing extra car keys, for instance, if we get locked out of our car, wow. you know, we're not going yeah. to the gig. It's one. It's <laughs> like, there's so many things that use scenarios where it's like, this could be a freaking disaster. You know, I signed up for AAA like only four days before the, the, the tour started. And I didn't think like, Oh, well maybe if we have road, we don't have roadside assistance. So that could be really bad. Like, you know, right. um, contingency plans setting up ahead of time like allocating space for the right amount of items that we're bringing and everything like it it really creates a a a less stressful environment and i think when you have too much stress when you do this you don't want to do it anymore right so it's really all the stuff like i said i feel like the part when we're at the venue and we're on stage I'm totally chill because we're at the venue and we're, and we're about to go on stage, you know, getting to the venue that can be stressful (laughs) and even getting on the tour can be stressful. It's like all the stuff leading up to that. I feel like that's the hard part. So so then let's talk about guitars. I'm going to butcher the name. Uh, Aristides. Is that, is that your, no, it's not bad. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Aristides. It's like the Greek God. Okay. Um, Yeah. 
So you are so you have a deal with them, right? So let's let's mm-hmm. talk about that. Um, they're sponsoring you. They're giving you guitars. How is that working? Yeah, sure. So RSTDs uh, is based. They're based in the Netherlands. Um, so they're not they're not a uh, local to me anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, I really was interested in them because they have very unique guitar sort of setup. Um, I've kind of been one of those people that never really quite figured out what I want with a guitar. Um, and then there were things that I thought I wanted, but I wasn't too sure until I got them. And then, you know, I was like, Oh, actually in practice, this doesn't really work for me. Um, so I, I reached out to them a while ago saying like, Hey, these guitars look really cool. Um, I've never tried one. It'd be cool to try one. And then, uh, you know, it'd be cool to get like a build. So they actually sent me a guitar, which is really cool of them. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I tried their Telecaster model. And the thing about the guitars is there's no wood in the guitars. They're made right. of these, like, arium, sort of. So they call it. It's like this, like, uh, almost like resin. Yeah, sort some of sort thing. of it resin, comes more, right. They're, they're molded, mm-hmm. right, as I understand it. Yeah, they're molded, and it's more of, like, plasticky, I would say, um, is what the feeling is. But if you couldn't really tell. It almost just feels like a really nice sort of wood. Um, and the fretboard is made of rich light. So you, it's just this really interesting unique sort of guitar so i got i got my first one um from them at a discount uh they're a, definitely a boutique guitar shop you know it's not like your you know average guitar company where they've got like a budget model and then like maybe a more expensive model right. and there's wood and you know sort of a standard shape they're a custom shop as well for the most part you know the guitar shapes are already the molds are already cast but as far as like all of the, the details, the pickups, the electronics, everything, it's all custom. So it's whatever you want it to be. Um, and so for that reason, the guitars are a bit pricier. Um, the discount definitely does help. Um, but I think the testament to the craftsmanship is that like it is a very durable guitar. Like because there's no wood, the guitar is not expanding and contracting like right. wood would. Right. So you don't have when I fly or travel, the guitar doesn't go out of tune. Um, it rarely goes any like more than whatever the case, you know, the the tuning is in the case, you know, with wood guitars, you go to a new climate and it's all messed up and it can be kind of a disaster, (laughs) like to keep it in tune as well, depending on where you are. I don't have that problem. I tune it once when I start the show and then that's pretty much it. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're super killer. I I just got endorsed by Fishman pickups as well. And so I have Fishman pickups and those guitars and they sound great. Um, but yeah, they're they're just really excellent at what they do, and it, it definitely feels like you're a part of something that's new. It's like with guitar companies, it's like you see a new one crop up. You're like, of course, they might do one or two things differently, but you know, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like with, with some music, they're not really reinventing the wheel in any right. sense. Right. Um, you know, it's a Telly, it's a Les Paul, it's you know, it's okay, right. we're doing a yeah. relic of yeah. the Rolling Stones model, whatever. <laughs> but this is really like new. It's very very new, and I think it kind of was in the spirit of what I wanted to do uh, with this new album, as well as going forward. I want to keep trying to push guitar music into a new sort of sphere, like this like mix of rock of uh, chip tune of electronic elements of like all sorts of different genres. And so I really feel that with the guitars and, and that's why I feel like I, I really belong with them. Cool. That's, that's really awesome. Then let, let's talk about some of the playthrough videos you've been doing. Um, so again, math rock or, or the way that you play guitar or Achika or Stephen Hazler or Nick mm-hmm. Reinhardt, you know, it's not easy guitar playing. Um, 
So the the playthrough videos are are often fun, and you do a really good job with yours, especially for the new album of being in a different environment every time. Um, so is are these just ideas that you're coming up with on your own? Who's who's helping you out in in getting these out into the public? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, when we when we made these things, you know, it's like uh, we're a smaller band, so our budget for creating these videos is. Uh, creating content in general is a lot smaller. Right. Um, so you have to get a little bit creative. You know, I have, I invested in a really nice camera and I just had some, some people help me film it. And I was like, you know what, just point it there. It should be fine. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, uh, I had a friend, uh, who worked at a, uh, he worked at pretty much a mansion and he was just like, Hey, if you want to come through here, you can actually just film some stuff for free. Um, and I was like, yeah, that sounds really great. So we got some, some content there. I also happen to live in a really nice, uh, right near a nice park. So that's the smile playthrough, okay. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think that's kind of like part of it, you know, uh, as much as I love the comfort of my own bedroom, it can be kind of challenging. Like I think visually to kind of make it look like really, really nice. Or it can, even if it does look really nice, sometimes it can get really boring just watching, you know, the same right. sort of background, but you know, this bedroom sort of thing. And, kind of put lumps you into that bedroom guitarist category. Right. So I definitely like to get out there and try to make videos in different places. So I, I want to talk about the YouTube stuff in, in one second, but the, the cherry playthrough, um, uh, what struck me almost immediately was <clears throat> your, the nail polish you're wearing in that video is very striking, right? You can actually really see your fingers really well because of the nail polish. And then, and, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. and I'm colorblind, so I really didn't know the color, except I could see it really well. And I called my wife in, well, what color is his nail polish? And she said, well, it's very similar to what I'm wearing right now. So w- w- what's, <laughs> what's the choice there in, in the color of, or the shade of nail polish you're wearing? Um, the shade of the nail polish, I think it was just whatever I had at the time. I actually, I think it is cool to wear. Um, I think I'm kind of breaking on it now because it just gets tiring to reapply it all the time. Right. Um, yeah. So it's like one of those things where, yeah, I do like it, but it is, you know, the fashion, it does get a bit tiresome. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I, I think it was white at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's some sort of like off, off-white color, but it really works. I mean, you can really see your fingers really well. Um, so the the choice choice was great. Just uh, a couple more things here before I, I let you go. I know that you're on tour and you're and you're working and traveling and stuff, but uh, let's talk about YouTube for a second. Um, so you're a, sure. you're a working band. You're out there. You're recording. You're going on tour, a lot of, you know, I don't want to pigeonhole it to math rock, but a lot of bedroom guitar players, as you just said, like Achika or these guys where they're just famous for being on YouTube and playing crazy shit and, and sort of being awesome on YouTube. And you have some of those, but you're, you're obviously doing more. So how are you sort of juggling these two things that these two concepts of art that maybe don't really go together? Yeah, that's a great question. And again, like another really astute observation, because I think some people don't really fully understand, you know, the time that it takes to do these separate things. Like when you're on tour, you can't really be making all this high quality video content. You know, you need lighting, you need like a good concept, you need good time to put into it. You know, with a lot of like those guys, their riffs are amazing. Like a Chica is always inspiring to watch, but he's not one of those people that is, I don't know if he's ever toured. I, I, if, if he has, it's not to my knowledge. 
Right. And definitely not in the States. I know he will play a show here and there or something. Um, but yeah. again, it's like yeah. whatever you do, it, you have to, it has to set your venue. So, I mean, in recorded form, you can kind of edit things or practice them until you get it to the point that you're satisfied with it. And live, it's like a fleeting sort of thing, but it's also like a collective experience. So for me anyways, like, of course, I, I love doing cool YouTube clips or Instagram clips and, and playing for the camera and stuff. But I think for me, my main satisfaction is playing live. Okay. So it is, it is like, yes, of course, I could sit at home and work on all these riffs tirelessly and, and create all these really cool things. But I think the thing is, you know, you're getting all that satisfaction for me, at least I just get it up, you know, on my phone. I'm looking at it. I'm like, cool. You know, right. this video got however many likes or views or whatever. But what does that do at the end of the day? Like, what does that accomplish? Um, I think the difference uh, that Achika is doing really well is that um, he uh, he has um, a lot of really cool, like, music team-ups that he did over COVID. So he came out with some really, really cool songs, you know, with, like, lo-fi hip-hop beats or, yeah. you know, doing some, like, metal stuff. I think that's really cool because it's, like, it goes beyond just the clips. And I think, you know, one, one thing that really struck me when, it, when, when kind of thinking about these things and talking about the way that we are, uh, one really, really uh, famous guitarist uh, on YouTube, Instagram, Mateus Asado, right. he actually stepped away from all these platforms for about a year Yeah, because he said that he just felt limited by creating music in 60-second spaces. You know, music as we know it, it's like kind of this this like like wallpaper to our lives right and right. it kind of inspires right. us daily but what do these clips do aside from providing entertainment like of course it's great to watch someone like ripping around but what's the lasting impression of this right. you know what is right. the actual you know artistic i, I don't know what you would you even call it like legacy of it you know so i think as artists we have to balance it today there's no real way around it it's it's just you have to do both. You have to do all of it. But I definitely feel that when I make those clips and stuff, that's not really my legacy as an artist. I feel like my legacy or what I really feel like I put the most time into are the albums and the live performances, right. which I feel like are the things that give me the most satisfaction. So I do want to try to prioritize this content a lot more. And I know for a lot of people, it's like they, that's how they find you and that's how they really start to get into you because yep. it's not going to yep. be not as easy to have like a cold open and listen to a whole album, of course, but um, it's something that I, I definitely dread a bit, the thought of just only doing that. And uh, at the end of the day, pretty much everyone who only does that, they get really burnt out from what I noticed. And I just don't think it's a sustainable path. So um, I'm very happy that, you know, I can be making these full length albums pretty much like once a year right? and putting them out and that people really like them because that's another thing is like, Sometimes I see someone and they have these crazy videos, crazy licks. I'm like, whoa, this guy must, must be in a cool band or cool songs or something. And then maybe I'll check out some songs. And I was like, well, this is just the cool riff thing. It, like loops twice. Right. And it's two minutes. And it's like, you know, again, it's like, you know, it's a different sort of thing. Right. But it's like as guitarists, we're almost irresponsible to be these songwriters, too. So it's just another job that we have to take on as musicians these days. But it's. It's all doable. It's just about the mindset you're in, I guess.
But the one last thing about the the YouTube things, you know, when I when I looked at some of the plays on your videos, like the funny ones, like I could play that in my sleep, right? So you're playing Thunderstruck, yeah. right? And you're laying yeah, on your yeah. couch and playing it, and that's and it's funny. Um, or the X Files theme, which was yeah. amazing, you know. But these are sort of your more popular ones, right? So there's that again. Yeah. What you're talking about that struggle of getting content that people will engage yeah. with, but it's not necessarily like fulfilling in terms of being an artist right yeah no i i mean and i think that's something that like for instance one of my heroes really struggled with if i'm speaking candidly i don't know i don't know him personally but stanley jordan you know right. his most popular song is his cover of eleanor rigby right um he's written a lot of really great originals and he's also able to play a lot of jazz covers really well but pretty much every time I ever see a video of him or anybody, anytime I mention him, people go, Oh yeah, Eleanor Rigby. <laughs> and it's like, you know, yeah. I don't, I think the man has done so much that is not a Beatles cover, you know? Right, so right. yeah, if you take away the albums and you take away all the shows and tours and stuff that, that I'm doing with the band, that is really, that's what's left. So I, but yeah, that would be not really my first choice to be the X-Files guy or to be, you know, <laughs> the sort of thing so yeah. it is hard but you do you do have to go out there and sort of and it's not like i don't like doing it i love i love doing that stuff too but it's not that you want that to be your only impression right. on people right right well awesome i want to thank marcos mena um out on the road right now with standards his new record is called fruit town it came out uh last week um, everyone should check it out. I mean, it is fun and despite being instrumental, very, very easy to listen to. Lots of cool stuff happening, especially if you're a guitar player. Marcos, thank you so much for being on the show. Good luck on the rest of the tour and be safe, all right? Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you.